You're listening to a podcast from Victory. Learn more about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus in week five of the Apostles' Creed. We are going through the Apostles' Creed. The Apostles' Creed is one of the oldest creed that we have uh, in Christianity. The other creeds are the Nicene Creed. There are several creeds that were written, and this is one of the oldest, written in about uh, the third century, about 300 Uh, 200 uh, years after Christ has risen. And we're going to be focusing on this particular line. He suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. And how many of you are very familiar with this scriptural truth of the Word of God? We are so used to this. And there's a declaration of faith. In fact, the Apostles' Creed is used to define and bring clarity in our set of beliefs and convictions. It is uh, also used for us to be able to defend our belief and our faith and also a form of declaration. We declare what we believe. And so every time we mention the Apostles' Creed, it's actually a kind of a declaration of what we believe in. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading from our text this morning. Uh, kindly open your Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 to 5. I'd like to invite everyone to read this out loud all together. Ready? 1, 2, 3. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures, that He was buried, that He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures, and that He appeared to Cephas, then to the twelve. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we are so grateful for this morning. We are deeply honored and are so grateful for the fact that you have chosen, Lord God, to send your Son to die on the cross for us. Father, we are so amazed of your love, God. We don't deserve what we have. We thank you for the amazing grace of forgiveness and eternal life. Thank you for Jesus Christ dying on the cross. And we celebrate that fateful day, God, as we remember what he did for us. I thank you, Lord, that that is not just a news in the past, but it's truth and reality lives on in our hearts, in our lives, and is able to convert and change the way we live. We thank you, Lord God. We commit to you the rest of this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody say, Amen. Amen. You may all be seated. All right, so we're going to be focusing on this particular passage, which summarizes the, uh, that portion of the Apostles' Creed. He died, he was buried, and he rose again from the dead. And how many of you are convinced that Jesus Christ is no longer dead? Praise God. That's exactly what we were seeing earlier. We're celebrating the fact that our Savior, our Lord, is risen already. But it is also important for us to know that He had to suffer first and He had to die before He was raised up. How many of you know it's impossible for you to be raised up without dying first? You've got to die first. And so that's exactly what happened 2,000 years ago. You know, the Apostle Paul was emphasizing on things that are of first importance. Things that are valuable to know. 
that we cannot underestimate the importance of little facts, which is not really little at all. You know, there's a story uh, in January 28, 1986. NASA actually launched, supposed to be a very historic uh, space shuttle program, space shuttle challenger. You're probably, you probably remember this, for those of you who are my age, those of you who are younger born this year, just look at the Google, okay, internet. But that particular time, uh, NASA uh, launched the space shuttle. In fact, I think this is the last space shuttle program, January 28, 1986. After about 73 seconds of the space shuttle into the air, unfortunately, the spacecraft exploded. And they were doing an investigation of what happened. And it was, you know, the whole world was shocked because the space shuttle or the Challenger, uh, already, this is the second time it was supposed to be launched in space. There were several space shuttles that were launched before and they were successful. But as they were investigating, they found out that the culprit of the explosion was a little thing called the O-ring. And many of you are probably familiar with this, or maybe some of you are not even familiar with this. It is actually a simple ring or a simple piece of circular rubber used to prevent leaks in the tubing. And that's it. The engineers were warning against the flight because of uh, the cold weather. I think uh, what's acceptable at that time was about 50 degrees, but yet they gave it a go at 36 degrees. And so that thing happened, and it was a very sad day and a disaster for the seven-man uh, team that was actually inside the space shuttle. You know, there are things that are too important for us to ignore. And you look at this story, you know, a multi-million dollar program was actually impacted and affected by, you know, a little piece of O-ring tubing worth I don't know how many cents or how many dollars because they were not able to check. That's why I believe that when you talk about our belief and our faith, it is so important for us not to ignore the details of what we believe in. Amen. In fact, the Apostle Paul said, Now I remind you. Turn to the person beside you. Tell that person, I remind you. Tell him or her, don't forget. What should be we reminded of? The Apostle Paul was reminding us of the gospel which we received in which we stand. And sometimes, you know, if we're not careful about the details of our faith, it can also be a disaster for us. You know, the thing that we believe in really spells the difference where we will spend eternity. Do you realize that? That the fact that the gospel has been preached, the fact that Jesus Christ died, He was buried, He was raised from the dead, and it's also a matter of us believing in what He did, really spells the difference for where we will spend eternity. You know, jokingly, some people would say, you know, where do you plan to spend eternity? Smoking or non-smoking? There are only two ways or two, you know, destinations that we have in our life. In verse 2, it says, And by which you are being saved if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. In fact, if you look at the Gospel of John, just in chapter 3 alone, the emphasis of this word, believe. Everybody say, believe. You know, what we believe is so important. 
you know, when we're talking about the Apostles' Creed, you know, this is a declaration of our belief. I believe in God, the Father Almighty. I believe in Jesus Christ. I believe in the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, you know v- several times we utter this word believe because it's not just about a head knowledge. This belief and this faith really impacts the way we live. In John chapter 3, verse 15, it says that whoever what? Believes in who? In Jesus, in Him, may have what? Eternal life. You mean, Pastor, by just believing and not doing anything? You mean I don't have to go to church to go to, you know, to go to heaven? You know, that's not the starting point. You know, it's not about us doing good works that we can earn salvation. And we know this. It's a basic fact. In verse 16, it says, For God so loved the world that He gave His only Son, that whosoever, what? Believes in Him should not perish, but have eternal life. The emphasis of the Apostle John is really about just believing. And when you talk about believing, it's about knowing Him. And you know, eternal life does not happen when we die here on earth, and then, boom, we have eternal life. Eternal life happens right here, right now. In fact, in John chapter 17, verse 3, the Bible says, And this is eternal life, that they may know you, the one true God, and know me, the one you have sent, Jesus Christ. It's about knowing, it's about believing in the Son of God. In verse 36 of the same chapter, John chapter 3, verse 36, it says, Whoever believes, everybody say believes, in the Son has what? So here we see a direct relationship between belief and faith with eternal life. Now, how many of you are believers here? The reason why we're called believers is that you know, we, have, we believe. How many of you are believers? Please raise your hand. Okay, and not just believers, okay? Not, believers. We're believers of Jesus. What do we believe in? It's more than just believing that, yeah, He was born once, or yeah, He is the Son of God. But what are the details of the belief or the faith that we should have? You know, in Ephesians chapter 2, you know, this work of salvation that we have in our lives, it is by grace you have been saved. Through what? Through faith. And this not of yourselves or doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one may boast. I'm so glad that our salvation is not based on works. Amen. Because we solely believe in what Jesus Christ did on the cross 2,000 years ago. Can you imagine? If... How we will be saved is based on our works. Heaven will be a noisy place. Because it's all about bragging what you've done. Oh, what did you do to earn it? Oh, I, you know, I gave in the tithes and offerings. I was the one who helped build building phase two in the fort. Oh, I attended all, you know, all the services in festival mall in Nakasha and I'm faithfully, you know, giving my tithes and offerings, faithfully leading my smoke, faithfully attending. I give to real life. I do this. I do that. Can you imagine if, if it's about works, heaven will be a noisy place and a proud place, by the way, because we're all just going to be bragging about what we've done. But you know what? In heaven, we're going to be in awe because we made it. And you'll be in awe also because the seatmate, your seatmate right now, made it as well. Look at him or her. Okay, and tell that person, I'm going to be with you forever, whether you like it or not. For some, that's good news. For some, uh, yeah, it's great news, okay? But that's the reality of heaven. We're going to be talking about eternal life and judgment next week. But today, we're just looking at our salvation. And this is very basic for us. 
We're all here, saved by grace. It's the work of grace in our lives. That's why the Apostle Paul went back in verse 3. It says, For I delivered to you as of first importance. He was emphasizing, he was emphasizing that, you know, hey guys, don't ever forget. You know, some people would say ignorance is bliss. For me not to know, ah, that's fine, because what you don't know won't hurt you. Guess what? What you don't know will definitely hurt you. If you don't know about this truth, it might hurt us because we might end up in the wrong place. And how many of you would like to go to heaven? Please raise your hand. How many of you would like to go to heaven right now? I always ask that. Not right now, right? In the future? Not right now. And I have yet to see someone who would say, Pastor, I don't want to go to heaven. I'd like to go to hell. Sign me up. You know, I have yet to see someone there. You don't know the reality of hell if you're saying that. And so he was saying that Christ died for our sins. First importance. He was talking about the details of what we put our faith in. Not just about Jesus. Yeah, he, Jesus was a good man or he was a moral teacher. He did miracles. He walked out on water. He multiplied the fish and the loaves. Yes, that's great. And he did that. And I believe it's an example for us, an encouragement for us that God will provide, that God will meet our needs. He healed the sick. He raised the dead. But more than what He did here on earth, the most important things that we need to remember is that Christ died for our sins. I'm not mad at you, okay? I'm just emphasizing this. In accordance with the Scriptures, He did not die because the Roman Empire just punished Him. It was part of the plan. It was not an accident. It was a deliberate plan of God that Jesus would go to the cross, one of the most excruciating form of punishment that can ever be given to mankind. In fact, the cross is actually the symbol of Christianity nowadays. The cross is kind of like the elect- modern electric chair. Can you imagine nowadays you go to a jewelry shop, you buy a piece of jewelry, and what's that? It's a gold cross. Or whatever, right? You put your, you know, the cross on a, on your neck as a necklace or maybe an earring. You know, it's kind of like, can you imagine if you put a, uh, an electric chair as part of your ornament? Okay? I mean, what's that? It's cute. It's, it's a golden electric chair. Because 2,000 years ago, the cross is an instrument of death. You know, when you see a man in Jerusalem walking and carrying a cross on his shoulder, he is not a door-to-door cross salesman selling crosses. I'm going to knock on your door, ring on your bell. Would you like to buy a cross? That guy is on his way to his death. A man walking in the streets of Jerusalem in Via Dolorosa, for example, is on his way to death. That is the significance of the cross. And yet, as Christians, we celebrate the cross because it's a symbol of what Jesus Christ did for us. In the cross, there is power. Amen. Not in the cross itself. You don't use the cross to ward of evil. But the impact of what happened there on that cross 2,000 years ago really is what matters. Three significant truths that we need to remember in our Christian faith. Number one is the significance of Christ's death. This is so important for us that we can never get tired of talking about this and knowing about this and teaching this to our children. That Christ had to die and He had to suffer not because He was a bad man, but because of our sins. He had to suffer. 
He had to die so that we can all be redeemed. He had to die so that we can all be forgiven. You know, there's a children's story entitled Hansel and Gretel. And how many of you are familiar with the story of Hansel and Gretel? Okay, they had a you know, stepmother that brought them to uh, the woods. And so that they can find their way home, they actually left pieces of crumbs of bread along the way so that they can actually find their way home. Unfortunately, the birds ate it. But you know, somehow God left breadcrumbs all across the scriptures so that we can find the reality of the need for a sacrifice so that we can be forgiven of our sins. You know, remember in Genesis chapter 3 when Adam and Eve sinned before the Lord? Remember that story? When Eve ate the fruit? And then the Bible says she gave to her husband who was beside her. Can you imagine the masculinity of this guy? The audacity for him not to stop his wife in disobeying God? It was Adam that God told, do not eat the fruit. But yet maybe Adam was looking at what will happen to Eve. After she eats the fruit. Because God said, you will surely die if you eat the fruit. Okay, tignan nga natin, Lord. E buhay. He also took it. And both of them sinned before the Lord. They found themselves naked. At that particular point, in Genesis chapter 2, the Bible says, both the man and the woman were naked and they felt no shame. That is what... The Garden of Eden is all about. And I'm not talking about maliciousness here. Really, when you talk about no shame, it, it means that there's no guilt. There's no mar of sin. There's no sign of sin. But yet, because of sin, they suddenly felt naked and they had to cover themselves up. And that is what man has been doing ever since. Trying to cover up. What did God do? Change the fig leaves into covers of animal skin. You know, how do you get uh, animal skin? Is it available in uh, Ikea or in uh, SM at that time? No. God had to actually slay and kill an animal. Breadcrumbs. Sacrifice was necessary for our atonement. You know, Abel offered, you know, uh, animal sacrifice wherein Cain offered produce of the land. God gave favor to the offering of Abel. You know, an animal has got to die. In Egypt, the Passover lamb in Exodus, you know, we see this story time and time again, breadcrumbs. God is showing forth what was needed in order for our sins to ultimately be paid. There has to be a sacrifice for sins. In fact, in Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 to 8, this talks about the details, the prophetic word, 700 years before Jesus Christ was born, on what is to come. In verse 4, it says, The fact is, it was our what? Our suffering He took on Himself. We were the ones who deserve to die because the wages of sin is what? Is death. We were the ones who sinned, not him. He was sinless. Yet the Bible says, He took on Himself, He bore our pain, but we thought that God was punishing Him, that God was beating Him for something He did. That's from the Easy Reader's Version, by the way, not from the ESV, so that we can actually easily understand that from a layman's point of view. All this 
prophecy of violent sufferings and indescribable pain was completed at the death of Christ on the cross 700 years after. That's why when John the Baptist saw him, he was pointing to Jesus and he described him as, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. What he was saying is not that Jesus was a meek lamb and saying, but one day he is going to be slain and he's going to be sacrificed for the sin of mankind. And it's exactly what Isaiah 53 is talking about. Isaiah 53, if you would have the time, I would encourage you to read through this particular chapter this week and just meditate. I believe God wants to give you a front view, an IMAX view of what happened on the cross 2,000 years ago. If you read Isaiah 53, it's like being there. You know, what's happening inside. You know, not that's watching from the outside, but what really happened on, on the inside at the cross. In verse 5, it says, But he was being punished for what we did. He was crushed because of our guilt. He took the punishment we deserve. And this brought us what? Peace. A divine exchange happened on the cross. He was punished so that you and I could have peace and reconciliation with God. Amen. How many of you know that God deserves praise for that? Can we just give the Lord a hand for that? The next verse says, We were healed because of his pain. In another version, it says, by his stripes or by his wounds, we are healed. This sacrifice of Jesus on the cross, I think Mark read earlier in Galatians chapter 3, cursed is he who is hang on a tree. The curses of mankind was brought upon him so that you and I could live a curse-free life. And really, when you talk about the curse of the sin, the curse of the law, God is freeing us from that so that we can enjoy a free life in Christ. You know, I heard of this uh, story, I think, in the festival, one of our members who was diagnosed with stage 4 terminal cancer uh, last year, July 2015. I think it's in the gallbladder. And terminal cancer uh, was, you know, stage 4 was a diagnosis. And they prayed, they believed God for a miracle. And uh, last month, uh, she had another uh, test. And the test result uh, said that she is now cancer-free. What an amazing story. It's a miracle from God. Amen. Come on now. According to verified doctor's test results. Last month. In verse 6, it says, We all have wandered away like sheep. We have all gone on our own way, and yet the Lord put all our guilt on him. Verse 7, He was badly treated, but he never protested. He said nothing, like a lamb being led away to be killed. He was like a sheep that makes no sound, as its wool is being cut off. He never opened his mouth to defend himself. He was taken away by force and judged unfairly. The people of his time did not even notice that he was killed, but he was put to death for the sins of his own people. Really, when you look at what happened on that cross, you couldn't help but just 
be in tears and really thank the Lord for the reality that he died not because he deserved to, but I believe he died because he wanted to, because he loved all of us. The Bible says another, in another verse that he endured the cross, scorning its shame for the joy that was set before him. And I believe that he went to the cross looking at our faces and saying these words, it's all worth it to go to the cross so that I could save these people of mine. He was put to death for the sins of his people. You know, this violent sufferings, this picture, Jesus was whipped 39 times with a Roman whip. He was crowned with thorns three to six inches in length. He carried a very heavy and rugged and rough cross. He was nailed with a six to eight inch Roman nail. And he was pierced with a Roman spear. And what many of us are saying, why did he have to go through all this? Why such a grave penalty? Why did all this thing have to happen to Jesus? It's because of the seriousness of sin. And you know, sometimes if, you know, we would just take this thing for granted that he actually suffered for us. You know, without the shedding of the blood, the Bible says there is no forgiveness of sins. But that he had to die, he had to suffer because of the seriousness of our sins. And sometimes what we do is we minimize sin. We call it another name. You know, we sometimes call adultery as an affair, you know, as if it's nice. It's, you know, it's nice to look at. Or maybe a fornication, we call it making love. You know, we, we try to minimize the effect of sin. In reality, sin is an abomination to God. And the wages of sin is death. And Jesus Christ had to pay for the penalty of our sins. So that you and I do not have to suffer anymore. In fact, on that day, there was a divine exchange that happened. He gave us His righteousness and we gave Him our sins so that we can become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. There was a reconciliation. There was forgiveness. There was atonement. There was grace. You know, if you look at these two words in the penal code, the word justice means getting what we deserve. You know, if a crime was done, justice means that you got to give the punishment that is due this person. It's getting what we deserve. And that's exactly justice, what it means. When you say mercy, mercy is not getting what we deserve. When a mercy is given, or when mercy is given to a person, despite the fact that, you know, he or she was found guilty, that's mercy. You know, the, the sentence was not given to him, but somebody else will pay that. In fact, if you look at these two words, justice and mercy, they are two mutually exclusive words. You can never find them in the same case in the penal system. Wherever you go, you can never find justice and mercy given to a person at the same time. If justice is given, mercy is withheld. If mercy is given, justice is withheld. But at the cross of Christ, justice and mercy and grace met all together at the same time because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. Justice was given. Grace was given. Mercy was extended to us. Those who do not deserve mercy was given mercy. We've got to understand the reality and the deep 
hurt that it causes God if we sin against Him. Second point is the significance of Christ's burial. Why does Christ have to be buried if He's going to be raised up on the third day anyway? It is so important for us to establish that Christ was God who became man and He was incarnate and man's body, when it dies, it has to go back to the grave. It's a statement of belief that Jesus Christ is not only God in the spirit, but He is God in the flesh. And that He actually died. The man side of Him. In verse 9 it says, He had done no wrong to anyone. He had never even told a lie. But He was buried among the wicked. In another translation it says, He was lined up with the transgressors. You know, if you look at the last words of Christ, there were two thieves on the cross. Luke chapter 26. One on his right and one on his left. In Matthew, the account was both of them were hurling insults at him. But yet at the very last point, the thief on the right said, he repented of his sins. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you go into your kingdom. Do you remember those words? He said, remember M, remember E, put them together, remember me. He said that, right? And then Jesus said these last words. Today, everybody say today. Today, you will be with me. In where? In paradise. But wait, Lord. That guy was not even baptized yet. He did not go through victory weekend. It's unfair. He didn't even give in the offering. He didn't even attend church. Because it's solely by grace. And by the mercies of God, he was qualified just by believing in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. He was buried. The Apostles' Creed says, was crucified, died, and was buried. Then there's another line that talks about he descended to hell. This is actually very controversial. Many God-loving, Bible-believing scholars are divided on this particular line of the Apostles' Creed. This was actually added about 7th century, you know, and uh, just another line was added later on into the Apostles' Creed. And what does this really mean? You know, there's not much time for us to talk about this, but yet what does He ascended to hell mean? Did Jesus literally go to hell and had to suffer for us? I believe that... The cross was enough for the sufferings to happen to him. But what does this mean? You know, just to give us a little glimpse. I'm not going to expound on this a lot. But in Psalm chapter 16, verse 10, it says, For you will not abandon my soul to Shaul. David wrote about this and talks about death. You know, when you talk about death, there are two types of death. Death, spiritual death is a separation from God. Physical death is a separation of the soul from the body. Are you familiar with that? None of us died yet, right? So we don't know that yet. Okay? But it's a separation of the soul from the body. The body stays on the ground because our soul is eternal. Amen. Our soul will live forever. Do you, how many of you would agree with me on that? Okay? And so it says, For you will not abound my soul to, the, to shawl or let your holy one see corruption. What is shawl? Shawl is actually a place for the souls of dead people. Okay? It's a place of uh, the dead, both righteous and unrighteous. And we see 
a lot of uh, scriptures on this. In the Old Testament, in Hebrew, it is referred to as Shol. In the New Testament, it is referred to as Hades in the Greek language. That's why if you look at Luke chapter 16, verse 22, it says the poor man died. You know, there are two, the story of, you know, Lazarus, the poor man, and the rich man. Both of them died. Okay? And the poor man died, was carried by angels, took Abraham's side. Another translation of this is Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in where? In Hades. It's the same as Shaul, a place where the dead goes. Before Jesus died and resurrected, okay, this was the place where the dead ahead of Christ, when he came here, they were waiting on that. Okay, being torment, he lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham far off and Lazarus at his side. So it was possible that in Shaul or in Hades, there were two compartments. A compartment or a section for the unrighteous and a section for the righteous. In fact, the rich man said, Can you allow Lazarus to dip his hand with the water and at least touch me, my tongue, so that I can actually be cooled off? And Abraham said, That's impossible because there's a vast chasm that separates us from where you are, and yet they could actually see each other. That's just a glimpse of that. And it, it's probably possible that Jesus went there to the righteous to get them. But it was, you know, there's not much of a proof, okay, that that is the reality and the truth. But, you know, this is what the scripture says. The two camps are in agreement with this. The reality of hell, hell is real. Would you agree with me on that? You know, hell is not just a turn, go to hell. Okay? It's not just a turn, you know, if you're mad at somebody, go to hell. Or hell no. You know, you know it's, it's a reality. It's a place. And, and secondly, there's no such thing as purgatory. There's only heaven and hell. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 27, And just as it is appointed for man to die once, everybody say once, and after that comes judgment. The reality of hell is there. Number three is the significance of Christ's resurrection. Of course, next week is Easter Sunday. We're going to be celebrating that. But you know, just so that we can talk about this and finish this topic today. Jesus' resurrection is a declaration basically of our victory. Because Jesus Christ was raised from the dead, you and I are victorious over sin. Acts chapter 2, verse 24, Jesus' resurrection demonstrated his victory over death. God raised him, losing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. Death could not hold him in the grave. Amen. Because of his sinlessness, his perfection. You know, the power of death, really, the sting of death is really from sin. And, and Jesus had no sin. Death could not hold him. We were singing this song. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 55 says, can we all read this out loud? One, two, three. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? The resurrection of Christ is the proclamation of his victory over the power of death. Since Jesus was raised from the dead, one day when we die, we will all be raised up again in the resurrection of life. Amen. 
Because death will not have a hold on us as well. Colossians chapter 2, verse 15. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in Him. It's a shout of triumph over His enemies. His resurrection was actually a victory party, so to speak. It's a declaration of Christ's triumph over His enemies. Acts chapter 2, verse 32 says, This Jesus God raised up, and of that we all are witnesses, being therefore exalted at the right hand of God, and having received from the Father the promise of the Holy Spirit, He has poured out uh, this, that you yourselves are seeing and hearing. In fact, when you talk about the resurrection of Jesus, it talks about His exaltation as well. You know, why is the death the burial, and the resurrection important for us to find out. This is the very essence of the gospel that we preach and the gospel that we believe. In fact, Pastor Rice Brooks summarized this into one succinct statement. I'd like to invite everyone to read this out loud. This is the definition of the gospel. Ready? One, two, three. The gospel is the good news that God became man in Jesus Christ. He lived the life we should have lived and died the death we should have died in our place. Three days later, he rose again from the dead, proving that he is the Son of God and offering the gift of salvation and forgiveness of sins for all who repent and believe. If you repent and believe, God offers forgiveness and eternal life. What if these things are not true? What if Jesus did not resurrect? The Apostle Paul presented that in 1 Corinthians 15, several verses after the verses we've read. And if Christ has not been raised, your faith is what? Futile. It's useless. If Jesus was not raised from the dead, let's not go to church anymore because the faith is useless. In fact, among all the world religion, all the founders died, and only Jesus was resurrected from the dead. Amen. Christianity is so unique. The one who founded this church, Jesus himself, is alive forevermore. You are still in your sins if Jesus Christ has not been raised. Then those who are fallen asleep in Christ are lost. The loved ones that we have, our family members who died ahead of us, if there's no resurrection from the dead, they're gone forever. They're going to be floating in the air somewhere. If only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are to be pitied more than all men. But Christ, in verse 20, has indeed been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since death came through a man, the resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Death came through Adam, and the resurrection from the dead came from Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior King. Christ's resurrection has completed our eternal Redemption and hope of salvation. Really, it's a declaration of victory that we have right now. Can we just bow our heads? If you are here this morning and you have not yet received or believed in what Jesus Christ did on the cross. The Bible says, for those who received Him, for those who believed in His name, He gave the rights to become children of God children born not of human will or you know uh, just descent 
but born of God, chosen by Him. He gave the rights to become children of God. And if you are here this morning, and if you want to receive His eternal life, and His forgiveness, and His sonship, with all heads bowed down, all eyes closed, I would like for you to raise up your hand as an acknowledgement. And just say, Pastor, pray for me. I'd like to receive what Jesus is offering. Yes, sir. God bless you. Anyone else? Just lift it up before the Lord. Yes, sir. I see that hand. God bless you. You know, this is the most important thing or decision that we will ever make. Yes, sir. I see that hand. All the other decisions that we make in this life will only affect us here on earth. But this particular decision will go beyond our life here on earth. It impacts where we will live eternity. And if today you're saying, Pastor, pray for me because I'm serious to follow Jesus and to believe what He has done for me on that cross. Pray for me. I see hands being raised. If your hand is raised, I want you to pray this prayer out loud. Just pray, Lord Jesus. Can we all just join them in all across this room? Let's say, Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I am a sinner needing a Savior. I repent from all my sins. And I ask that you would forgive me. Thank you for sacrificing your life on that cross so that my sins may be forgiven. I confess with my mouth that Jesus is my Lord and believe in my heart that He is raised from the dead. Thank you, Lord, for giving me eternal life that from this day on, I am now a child and you are my Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Can we give the Lord praise for these people? Thank you for listening to one of our podcasts. We hope it blesses and inspires you to honor God and make disciples. For more messages like these, or to access other resources, please visit victory.org.ph or download the Victory app for free on the iTunes Store or Google Play. If you would like to share a story of God's faithfulness in your life, please visit victory.org.ph slash mystory.